Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events in the world of golf. Uh, my name is Neil Tappin and this week we are returning to the world of golf, having uh, taken a, I say returning to the world of golf, it was golf, but it was a, a chat about the top 100 courses hosted by Michael Harris, the editor of Golf Monthly. Uh, and this week I have uh, one regular Nick Bonfield in the clubhouse. Nick, how are you? Good day. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, yet another week, yet another Aston Villa defeat. Remy guards off, apparently. So that was a good appointment, wasn't it? He should be delighted. Yeah. Well, a nice little payout there. And Maybe then, not. Uh, wash his hands with the club and never return to Villa Park again. <laughs> thanks for your help, Renny. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Elwood. Jez, hello. Welcome. Good, good morning. Yes. Um, uh, thank you for joining us. This is not as regular a uh, feature for you, the clubhouse, but you've made not. the last couple. Uh, well, specialist chosen subjects, I think. Have been and is the WGC uh, match player specialist subject? Uh, to probably not so much, but uh, there's, there's a few points of interest this year, aren't there, with the change of venue, etc. So, uh, change of sponsor. So, there's Indeed, quite a bit going on. There's a few things to talk about, but before we get on to so we're going to concentrate this week on the WGC match play. Uh, it's the s- next big event on the PGA Tour. It started with the G- WGC Cadillac, a great uh, moment in the build-up to the Masters to see really who's on top form. And also Ryder Cup year, it will hold probably more importance than it would do in a non-Ryder Cup year. Um, so those Europeans who might play well, it will definitely get Darren Clark's attention. But before we look at the WGC match play, I think it's worth us talking very quickly about the events this weekend on the PGA Tour. I'm not going to talk too much about the Hero Indian Open. Um, it was won by SSP Chowrasia. Jezza, what does SSP stand for? SSP, I know from a feature we did some years ago on uh, players who don't appear to have a first name. Um, <laughs> it actually stands for Shiv Shankar Prasad. Obviously, the second name, not a great Shankar. name for anyone involved in golf, but uh, that's the reality of it, uh, listeners. Uh, who else was in that feature? Yeah. Um, people like, like um, JB Holmes. DH Lee. Um, yeah, D.H. Lee, I think. There was um, D.J. Trahan. Those sort of people. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, D.A. Points, he was in D. there, D. definitely, Points. yeah. Oh, well, um, rich editorial content there <laughs> Thank for, you. Our, for our readers. Um, okay, so let's concentrate on the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It was won by Jason Day on a score of minus 17. Uh, he beat Kevin Chappell by one. And Troy Merritt, who was hanging there till the very end, uh, on the final day, um, gents, a huge win for Jason Day. Uh, hadn't won since the FedEx Cup playoffs last year, I think it's right. Yeah, the Barclays. Barclays or the BMW. Can't remember which one. He won okay. two of them, didn't he? Uh, anyway, thoughts. Thoughts. I thought it was a a brilliant display, and as I was saying to you guys as we walked down here, for me, Jason Day is the best player in the world. I know that seems like a controversial statement, but. The, the sort of accepted wisdom seemed to be that if McElroy was would, was at his best, Spieth was at his best, and Day was at his best, people would take McElroy. I was of that opinion as well. But now, given the way he putts and given the way he drives the ball, I would now take Day because he's he's longer than McElroy. I know people might have a few eyebrows raised when I say that, but statistically he is slightly longer than McElroy when he's in top form. Is he now? And he just doesn't look like he's going to miss from six feet, and he holds way more than his fair share of 15 to 25 footers as well. I just think he's a class act, and, and very few players, and you'd have probably Scott and McElroy in this bracket as well, can hit those little, like really high, towering, softly landing iron shots that he can, that he hit on the 17th that ultimately set up the tournament-winning birdie. It was a remarkable performance. That birdie was a... I mean, that hole was playing something like 223 yards. He hit five iron to 12 feet and hold the putt just at the moment when all the other players were sort of struggling to get over the line. And he knew he was going to hold that putt, didn't he? Much like 
Tiger in his prime. It's obviously too early to draw comparisons, but I just there was a sense of inevitability when he hit that iron shot that he was going to hold a subsequent putt, and it, he did. Indeed, and Jezza, this year, mm. I know we're, we're previewing the WGC match play, but it's we've always got an eye on the Masters. This year's Masters is shaping up to be something else, isn't it? With, with the likes of Scott playing well in the build-up, um, you've had people like Bubba winning, you've had Dustin Johnson playing well, Rory's been sort of bubbling under very nicely, and mm. now Jason Day steps up and wins. He's got almost more than anybody he's got the game to win at Augusta hasn't he he has he came close didn't he um, I don't know how many years ago it was oh, a yeah, when Charles Schwartz won yeah, yeah that's right when Charles Schwartz birdied the last four to, to pinch it from him and Scott was it yeah exactly I think so he's got form on the course as well um, as, as Nigel sorry Nick is he called <laughs> Nick or Nigel here uh, as Nick uh, rightly says you know he I think that the stat was that having not won for quite some time he's then won eight times in the last year or so or something yeah. like that which is quite a big strike rate. He won five times last year, same Did as Spieth. He, you know, that's, he looked uh, invincible in the FedEx Cup playoffs as well at the end of last season. And he's had three months off for, for the birth of his second child. So yeah, well, you, say, I think you said he hadn't won for some months, but I don't suppose he's played an awful lot of golf no, between he, the, the FedEx playoffs and, and now. And now. Yeah. Um, so the Masters is shaping up very nicely indeed. It would be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, uh, Scott's putting this year has kind of made a mockery of the whole long putter debate, you know, winning convincingly twice. Um, but will will that new short putter putting stroke hold up on the, the Augusta Greens? That's going to be very interesting to see. Oh, Jezza, that sounds as if I you're... Think, I think that's a very <laughs> fair point because to win the Masters, you have to hold the vast majority of your putts from r- r- sort of around the six-foot mark, don't you? And yeah. There's some severe breaks on some of those putts at Augusta, and it, uh, just be slightly cautious over Scott at this moment until we see how he putts on those greens. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking to a man here who, in his only <clears throat> only visit to the Masters, asked Chris DeMarco how he thought his putting stroke would hold up on the Augusta greens. <laughs> it was quite a short interview. <laughs> you, asked, you asked him that? <laughs> I did. I what was a bit new to the job in those days. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he, he sort of looked at me slightly oddly and said, yes, I think so, and walked off. <laughs> More rich content there. <laughs> Schoolboy era. <laughs> anyway, uh, how to annoy? Uh, how to annoy top players? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, and I think it's been a fantastic run of tournaments on the PGA Tour. Valspar maybe not the uh, not the highlight, but in amongst the last five or six weeks, it's just been top top tournament after top tournament. Great finishes, um, and. In the, I would say, from my personal perspective, the Florida swing, as it were, the golf courses aren't the most memorable for me. But yet, they do produce the kind of the tournaments and the fields and the um, excitement, especially towards the end, that you need to make golf as engaging as possible. There's wind and water, and that adds up to drama. <laughs> Simple as that, really. It does. And they obviously, a lot of the top players live around there, so the fields are very good as well, which is another factor. The two W's, Nigel. Wind and water. It's interesting because of all the PGA Tour courses, Bay Hill is actually the only one I've played, which I played oh, on a Callaway. Yes, you did. On did a you Callaway. play Annika Sorenstam? I did play a few holes with Annika Sorenstam, not with my own clubs, and I had a, a little bit of a oh, case of the shanks with the, <laughs> with the short irons, so I was having to lay back off the tee to not leave myself a wedge into the greens. <laughs> what did um, Annika make of that? I think she was confused by the strategy being, uh, being displayed. But uh, that was <laughs> woods into every hole. Yeah, it, it was. Um, to be fair, when I played it, I didn't really know a lot about Bay Hill. I think the tournament has grown massively in stature, hasn't it, in the last decade? But uh, I do remember the closing stretch being packed full of drama, as you say, uh, water and we. I don't know if there was any wind this week, but there's plenty of was, water, yeah. plenty of water to think about coming down a stretch at Bay Hill. Yeah, and what a great closing hole as well. Yeah, so t- nice, standing on that tee, knowing you have to make par, and Jason Day, that's got to be the. 
best bunker shot of the year so far. Yeah, it was awesome. The way he accelerated through the ball off a downhill lie towards water and hit it to four feet, and he was never missing that putt. Yeah, I mean, that back right, front right pin position, isn't it, is is, uh, testing, to say the least. Testing. And I I didn't see a lot of the golf, but I did see the the bunker shot he played, and he he did accelerate. There was no thought about, if I catch this clean, it's going in the water, and that's good night. (laughs) <laughs> you just committed to it. That's um, how you and I would think about that. Well, you Jess. would, wouldn't you? You're hitting it straight towards the water. It's that 30-yard bunker shot, which you've got to be so precise with how much sand you do or don't take. But when you're supremely confident, you just step in and, you know, you're probably, probably reveling in the fact that there's thousands of people watching every move. Well, what's interesting is that in the commentary box, they're talking about how he was going to play the chunk and run which was obviously a more more the percentage play in that situation. Not a bit of it. He pulls out his most lofted club, uh, massive club head speed, and produces a sublime shot to, to close out the tournament. New number two in the world. So, And you've yeah. got to think that the way that Spieth's putting form is going, um, it, it, he's going to be in danger at some point. If these players who are in the background, so he likes of your Fowlers and McElroys and Days, if they carry on at the way they're going, Spieth is in trouble. However, he has the Masters coming up. And one last thing about the Masters. It, yes. It, 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 I have to say, it is making me chuckle a little bit because you can see with all the great players playing well in the lead up to the Masters, you can tell this year is going to be a year where someone pops up out of nowhere to win yeah. it. Troy Merritt's going to win, I think. <laughs> exactly. <coughs> um, okay, anyway, let's let's move on. Let's talk about mm. the WGC match play. It's a huge week and um, uh, for me, I don't know about you chaps, but it's moved in the schedule. It used to be a bit earlier in the season. It used to be February time, mm. I think. And when the weather was awful for us outside... Yeah, it was- to be up snowing as well there a couple of years well, it ago. Did, yeah, it did, yeah. But I mean, it was at Arizona. The Arizona. weather was always fairly perfect. It was always a great one to watch because it's the, as it's the depths of winter in the UK, watching fantastic golf course and watching them go to head to head was great. The format's changed. The venue has changed. So it doesn't bear any real resemblance to the tournament it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but it's still a very interesting stop on the tour. And I'm sure... Uh, for many listeners out there, they'll be thinking about who their money might go on this week. So um, let's start by talking about the venue because it is new. Mm. We had the uh, okay. We do this podcast on a Monday morning, and they haven't actually drawn the pools, so we don't know who's going to be playing who in the first uh, few rounds of the tournament. So that will have to lead to, to to doubt, as it were. But what we can do is we can talk about things like the golf course. So. Uh, Gents, who wants to start? It's a new venue. T- tell us where it is and, and what to expect. Well, well, I had a, <laughs> I had a quick look. It's Austin Country Club, which rang rang bells with me. That was where Harvey Penick, as I believe it is correctly pronounced, oh, really, it is. Yes, um, I think I saw an interview once with Ben Crenshaw, who's who is his um, number one pupil, if you like, and that's how you pronounce it. Um, that's his home club where he was pro for I don't know. 130 years or something like that. Um, I had a quick look on the the website as I didn't know a lot about the course. It's a peat die course. Uh, and one thing that struck me browsing through the holes was the bunkering is more akin to a, a Lynx course, sort of pot bunkers. So it's a bit of a mix of that uh, American water course with bunkers perhaps a little bit more penal than usual. Pete Dye, famous for a few designs. Uh, Whistling Straits is one of his. Kiowa Island. Kiowa Island. Kiowa, yeah. It's, it looks to, but there's a dearth of information out there, quite frankly. I was, wasn't able to even find a scorecard. But from the pictures, it looks like there's a lot of water um, and some severe bunkering in places. And it's a Pete Dye layout, so you know there's going to be quite a lot of risk. And a very old golf club. It's actually over 100 years old, but not the original. No, thing. moved three times or three, two or three times it's moved. Um, and of course, being in Texas. Uh, the wind could well be a factor. So when you combine wind, water, and pot bunkers, you know you've got to be on your game, haven't you? 
Especially when you're playing aggressively, as you tend to do in match play. You do. And, I mean, from what I've seen, it's going to be... Uh, it looks like a fantastic layout, actually. It looks beautiful. Um, it's on the Big Lake, Lake Austin. Yeah, we saw one of the greens set into that lake. So, yeah, I guess that's what it was. Um, and I'm sure Tim Finch and the people at the PGA Tour aren't going to pick a, uh, a venue for their one of their showcase tournaments that isn't set up for match play. So let's hope that it is. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the players that we expect to do well. Now, here's... This is... Okay, warning. The next part, you're going to have to bear with me. Right, it could be a bit boring. But here's how it works. Okay, here's right. how the tournament works. Uh, the players will be initially split into 16 groups of four. In four separate pools. <laughs> 16 groups of four. And the first first player will be the top seed. And he, that player will be seeded 116 in the world. The second player will be from uh, 17 to 32 in the world. The third player will be 33 to 48 in the world. And the fourth player will be 49 to 64th in the world. So that sort of splits them out relatively evenly in terms of where their world rankings are. And it should mean that you've got one very high-ranked player, one media, two couple of medium-ranked players, and then one lower-ranked player. <laughs> Excellent. That, that <laughs> clear as crystal. Thank you. Terribly explained. <laughs> Sorry for everyone. It's not the easiest format putting to digest, you through that. To be fair. Um, uh, I, 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 before we go, before we carry on, I much prefer the original format of the tournament where it was head to head on, and you, you tune in on, a, I think it started on a Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. You tune in on Wednesday night and you find that Tiger Woods was playing. I don't know, Stephen Ames, and mm. it was all kicking off and some of the top players were losing and it was just great to watch and they, some of them, half the field, would play one match and then they'd be off home. But I suspect that the players... And that's the very reason why the format has been changed. Has been changed. The players didn't like that. They didn't like the idea of travelling to a new venue or to a venue, any, any venue where you have to travel a long way and then play one round of golf. I'm just looking back on some of the early finals, Jeff Maggot versus Andrew McGee. And, I think uh, we all remember that one. Kevin Sutherland versus Scott McCarran. Great for those players, but probably not what the TV company are, are looking <laughs> for. No, indeed not. Indeed not. Um, so, okay, um, let's pick our, our two players for the week then. So what we do, Jezza, just so you know, mm -hmm. and for anyone who so doesn't... So is Jezza assuming... Tom's responsibility here. Yes, he is. Ooh. So, oh, okay. Uh, oh, well. for, the, for those for those of you who maybe aren't regular listeners to the podcast, um, Tom Clark, who is usually um, in the clubhouse with us, uh, is on paternity leave at the moment. He's uh, just had a little boy. So, congratulations, Tom. Um, I'm sure he's getting absolutely no sleep. In fact, I saw him the other day. I saw him on Skype, and he looked bleary-eyed, <laughs> very, very tired. Um, but you know. That's life. That's good. It's all good. And um, we look forward to having him back in the office with us soon. Um, but yes, Jezza, you will be picking up the mantle for... Um, yeah. For so Thomas. if you mess up your picks, you're going to have an angry, sleep-deprived okay. man from Essex on your case. Fair enough. Although I would just point out that yeah, before Tom's day here, we did have a little betting syndicate in the office where we all chipped in a pound a week. Do you and remember you, that? I do indeed. And you and ran the, in with the always very second year, I think we paid in £39 and came away with over 100 quid each. So a little bit of form there going back a few years. Ooh. Staking well, his claim. Yeah, so Je Jezza does have form in this, and he always is usually quite a good person to, to go. So let's start with you then, Jez. Who, who's, well, um, who, who's your favourite pick, and who's your outsider? Well, I don't know where this gentleman would be classed. I'm going to go for Paul Casey. Now, I'm not sure if he would be classed as among the favourites or an outsider. Mm. But he's got good form in the event um, previously. He's obviously set up camp full-time in America this year and made that decision not to 
even try to play in the Ryder Cup, which is you know, up to him. Don't but get me started on that decision. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think he's had some fairly decent results in, in the early months of the year. I think he, he was certainly top 10 this week at Bay Hill. Um, and he hits it a long way and is a pretty good match play player, as we know from some of his Ryder Cup exploits as well. So I'm going to say Paul Casey to make the semis at, uh, at worst. Okay. And is he he's your outsider, is he? I think uh, that's borderline. It's Justin I, Thomas scenario. We again. don't have any odds. It's too no. early in the week to have any odds yet. I, I I'd would say think he'd be what thirty to forty to one, something like that. He'd be in the top third of the betting. I would say. Think, thir- I would say thirty to one. So I'm going to say that he's your favourite. So okay, you now to he's my favourite outsider. Uh, outsider. That's a tougher call, isn't and it? In case he's playing well at the moment as well. I'll say that. Mm. I'm going to. Do you know what? I'm going to stick with uh, good old homeboys. I'm going to go with Andy Sullivan, who seems to be finding his feet in America. I don't know whether that's his long-term ambition to go out there permanently, but uh, he doesn't seem to miss many cuts. He hasn't really produced any stunning rounds, I don't think, yet, but he's been consistent, hasn't he? I think he's imp- I think his results have improved at every event he's teed up in America yeah. or something like that. So, you know, he's another guy that, uh, well, um, he plays golf with a smile on his face, doesn't he? But behind that is a steely resolve because you think how far he's come in two and a half, three years, to now be virtually, well, not virtually certain, but pretty uh, pretty good chance of making the Ryder Cup team. That's quite a steep progression curve. It is. When I watch him as well, I always think there's just no weaknesses in his golf game, which is usually the sign of somebody who is has the consistency to be able to really make it into the world's top 20 and stay there. Yeah. You, you look at him in the... Uh, when we worked together, I did a, um, a few sh- uh, photo shoots with, with Andy, and I thought to myself, God, he's a really, really solid, really good ball striker. His putting must be the thing that lets him down. But you look at it, and it's absolutely not. And then I interviewed him as well too, doesn't he? Yeah, interviewed him last year, and he he said to me that he always chipped well in practice, but he wasn't able to take his um, short game from practice into the tournament days. But he's now done that, and that was the thing that got him that got him up the world rankings yeah, last year. Three wins, um, yeah. and it's continued. And you just see the confidence. Uh, you said the smile on the face, but I mean, frankly, the smile on the face is there when you're playing well and you're doing good that's things on the golf course. Fairly easy to well. be in a great mood. Yeah, great that's probably a extent, fair fair extent. point. He's obviously a happy-go-lucky chap, anyway. But yeah, yeah, I do. I followed him in. I went to Qatar last year and followed him for nine holes. And on the ninth, he sprayed one sideways into the rocks, hit a rock caroomed back onto the middle of the fairway and then it drive off the deck onto the green and two putted for birdie so <laughs> you know it, it's um, had that ball stayed in the rocks and it was three off the tee who knows what his mood might have been but he was certainly smiling that day yeah well not good I'm sure <laughs> yeah. um, okay Nicholas um, you've not done so well on the betting so far this year that's, I mean I had Ustazen came in for me last week or the week before oh, yeah you stole my choice didn't you yeah, that's it yeah. uh, okay who are you going to go for favourite uh, probably go Dustin Johnson because he's pretty much the only one in the world's top 15 who is not playing tremendous golf at the moment and I think he'll come to the party this week ahead of the Masters well I would say he's, he's, he's in the McElroy camp of bubbling under nice he finished top 10 this week didn't he in, in uh, Bay Hill uh, mm, Jezza no, no, so. you're, thinking, no. <laughs> you're thinking of his brother Zach, Zach. yeah uh, he hasn't <laughs> been playing great <laughs> golf this year um, <laughs> by his high standards and I expect him to come to the party soon and join all the other guys who are playing so well and he's an aggressive kind of guy and he hits the ball miles and that puts a lot of pressure on his opponents in match play. If he can hold it together uh, on the greens, then he'll be very dangerous, as he always is in match play. And my outsider will be Kiradesh Afi Barnrat. You've stolen my choice again, Nick. Sorry. 
I mean, you're the producer, effectively, so you should make yourself go first. That would be a solution <laughs> to this problem. <laughs> oh, so, Kiradesh Afi Barnrat coming off a 65 final round at Bay Hill, another top 10 in America there. And also, he won the Paul Laurie match play last year, so he's obviously proficient in that format of the game. So, Kiradesh Afi Barnrat, really good player. He's one of your all-time favourites. He's also he? one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. What, why is he an all-time favourite of yours? Tremendous name. I love the way he plays the game. I think he's really aggressive. Um, he's one of those guys that when he gets on a roll, he can virtually birdie every hole. Um, and he's fun to watch. You like the fact that he's he's the larger athlete as well. It's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> and he's obviously a very tremendously gifted player who is, I think, underrated. I mean, he's won three or four times over the last two seasons. Yeah, uh, and obviously won the match play last year. So keep an eye out for Kiradesh Afi Barnrat. Yeah, I like him. I like him too. Although he he's not a great chipper, is he? Yeah, I mean everyone's got their weaknesses, but he's driving the ball well, we so just well. Said at Andy, the D- Andy Sullivan doesn't. Fine, <laughs> relatively to other parts of their game, but he's driving the ball so well at the moment. And his iron player is, is superb at the moment. So hopefully he won't have to rely on his short game too much. Um, okay, well I'm going to go for Jordan Spieth as my favourite uh, Texas native. Yeah, and. It's a bit of the golf course is a bit of an unknown, so I thought, well, he's a local. And he's he's probably, probably played it, hasn't he? He, uh, he has played it. He was quoted in when the US tour released details of Austin Country Club as their host venue. He was um, uh, push, put forward as being the spokesperson for the golf course, so he, he, he obviously has played it a few times before. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get going this year because despite the win. And a huge win it was I mean, in, in terms of the winning margin. It was a mm. huge win. He's sort of gone off the boil. Um, and I'm sure that in the build-up to the Masters, he's going to throw a spanner in the works. And you're suddenly going to remember that, oh, yeah, he finished. He won it last year and then finished second the year before. Uh, and so I, th- I think Jordan Speed will do well. Um, my outsider, as Nick has stolen my outsider. Jez, would you mind passing me the sheet of entrance? Have you got it there? In it's front not of you? the sheet of entrance. It's uh, finishing positions in uh, at Bay Hill. Oh dear, that's no very, use very helpful. <laughs> Jamie Lovemark there, his name just caught my eye as I passed you that piece of paper. Why is that? I don't know, he sounds like a Premier League footballer to me more than a <laughs> than a golfer, I suppose. But um, um I don't like the look of many of these people. Um okay, uh, what where would um Kevin Costner be? Yeah, Kevin no, no, given his Kevin form Kistner. I'd give you him as an outsider this week, I would say. He hasn't had a great start to the year. He had that run, didn't he, where he could have won about five weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, He's a really good player. I think I'm going to go for him. Kevin Kistner. It's not a bad shot. Another He's going to really be a Ryder Cup player, isn't he? And I think possibly the thought of um, doing well in a match play tournament might be the sort of thing that might spur you on. And very aggressive as well. And very aggressive. But I have no real reason to back that up. <laughs> so, so, yes, there we go. Um, okay, right, gents, I've got a quiz for you. Oh, splendid. So turn over your respective sheets. Nick's brought one post-it note. It's got Jez's four brought, words on it. <laughs> brought War and Peace down with him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just turn it all over. Now, I'll um, say that you've already mentioned answers to about four or five of the questions. Oh. So it depends where the, the cookie crumbles on this front. Um, Is this a collective or no, we're going head-to-head? We're going head-to-head. And the categories this week of questions are the course, <laughs> last year, History, mm. this year, and lucky dip. <laughs> Super. <laughs> lucky dip is in the final question where whoever's coming second gets to choose whether they want question number one or question number two. Steer clear of the course, given that when I looked at the scorecard on the European Tour website this morning, every hole was a par zero of zero yards. So, <laughs> <laughs> one of the shortest courses the Tour <laughs> <I've> ever played. <laughs> um, well, 
you've actually answered both the questions about the course already, so I should think round number one will be a quick one. It's got pop bunkers. Nicholas, who designed it? Pete Dye. Correct. Oh. Jezza, uh, actually, yours is slightly harder because uh. I'm going to make it harder than uh, it was. Um, I'm going to say... Mm. Where was... L- <laughs> struggling, the quiz master's <laughs> struggling. Um, okay, three World of Golf Hall of Famers have based themselves at Austin Country Club. Have they indeed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've already spoken about two of them. Have I? You have. So I'm going to ask you for all three. How's your short-term memory, Jezza? Well, <laughs> is Ben Crenshaw a Hall of Famer? He is. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, is Harvey Penick a Hall of Famer for his contributions to the game? He is. I'd so, say Penick. Well, I'm going <laughs> to stick with the pronunciation I uh, I heard on a, an interview with him. Sounds a bit yeah. strange to me, that. does sound a bit strange, but I'm going with it. The other one, who obviously has strong associations then, did win a major, so it could be him, is uh, uh, Tom Kite. Correct. Wow. Well done. Three out of three. Three out of three. Very strong, Jezza. Thank you. Um, so, uh, well done. Uh, Nicholas. Last year, please. La- yeah, no, that's what I was going to get a choice. Okay. <laughs> Last year. Um, who competed in the third place playoff? Danny Willett defeated Jim Furick. Oh, yeah, very good. Well done. Oh, I need to make these quizzes a bit harder. Can I not have history then on that basis? You No, you, you've got no choice. Right, that, okay. So. Um, <laughs> we're not really grasping how this quiz works. No, no. <laughs> Although this one's quite straightforward. Oh, okay. Where, where was last year's event played? I think it was TPC Harding Park. It was. Thank you. Where is Harding Park? San it's Francisco. In Sorry, West America. Yeah, San Fran, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Did they had a major there? Possibly. Uh, 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 ooh, I don't know. Not since I've been following golf. Pass. I think the last one in San Fran was at the Olympic Club. At the Olympic. If it was a major, it could only be well, the that's USPGA. Web and and no, Webb Simpson yeah. won in 2012. And they had the WGC there, didn't they, at Harding Park? Yeah, the one I've just spoken <laughs> about. The one I've just got the correct down. answer to. <laughs> Sorry, my brain was doing something yes. strange there. Okay, let's move on. Uh, history. <laughs> Who wants history? Both of you. Um, <laughs> Nick's. Okay, oh, you might lose a moment to compose me, right. yourself. Nick, uh, who won the first WGC match play? Uh, Jeff Maggot won. Who did he beat? You're looking off towards oh, the notes. God. You, you, you've got half a point. Oh, I know it. Oh. If I'm, I'm right, I believe we actually talked about this we did. 15 talk minutes about ago. We did talk about it. Um, oh, no. Uh, Not one of the game's all-time greats. Gonna have to push yeah, you. I, I can't. I can't recall that one. Andrew McGee. Andrew McGee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Jez. Yeah. Oh, that's half a half point, a Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, Jezza, your. This is quite tough. Right. I, th- I think. Uh, name the last three winners of the WGC match play. Oh, well, uh, last year was Rory. He took Gary Woodland down in the final. Previous Correct. year was Jason Day. Correct. And the year before that, mm, this is going to be a, a bit of a stri- Do I get two thirds of the marks now <laughs> to effectively you, take a lead? You're probably in the half give you point a half. territory at the moment. Um, uh, who won it? Keegan Bradley. 
No. No. I think that's it was, a poor guess. Yeah, a I, guess. I'm, I'm afraid that's no, a poor guess. He used to play good golf. Was it not? Um, do I get some <laughs> sort of half a point? If I get the answer correct. No. No. Uh, I think it was not Matt Kutcher. It, it was, yeah. Oh, yes. Huge. Yeah, I remember. He beat Hunter Mahan. Himself a winner of the event. Yeah. yeah. Huge. So I'm just ahead now by whatever the difference between two thirds and a half is. <laughs> so it's it's two and a half each. Quiz. Oh right. Um this year. So mine's rounded down. You got half a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Um this year. <clears throat> Nigel. Oh Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> um and I don't know whether you will have checked this one out yet or not. This is the weekly question. How much oh, no. <laughs> does a weekly ground pass cost to attend yeah, haven't, haven't. the WGC match play? Weekly, so what? The other one was about one fifty, wasn't it? So I'll let I'll I'll give it to you in the nearest twenty five dollars. Okay. Twenty five dollars suggests it's possibly higher than before. That margin. Uh, I'm going to go with one hundred eighty bucks. No, 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 no. You're going to need to. Um, Cough up a bit more than that, I'm afraid, Nick. Wow. It's three hundred and seventy-five dollars. Pricey. The other, what was the other one? The Northern Trust was only about one fifty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a bit less. Yeah, yeah it's okay. a weekly ground pass. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what the website said. <laughs> uh, go with it, Jezza. Yes. Two of the world's top fifty will not be uh, taking their golf clubs to Austin Country Club this week. Who are they? I gave you the answer to this one earlier, didn't I? In the office. Did you? Yes. Well, you weren't listening to what he was saying. No. <laughs> Glazed over. People are not listening um, to me for once pays off. <laughs> well, I hope it's two people that are injured rather than two people that uh, can't be bothered. One of whom is injured. All oh, right. Um, who's injured at the moment? Furick? Yes. Um, and who's not going because it's a long way? Uh, somebody from the one of the Asian tours or... You're asking a question there, I think. I am. Um, I will say who's not going to go. Um, <laughs> that's quite a tough one, isn't it? Is Ernie Els top 15? No, he's not. He's not <laughs> it's a silly question. That's a serious question. That's a silly question. Um, I t- uh, Louis Oosthuizen. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but good effort. The it's man whose conservative play irritated me this past weekend, Henrik Stenson. Oh, uh, you did tell me, didn't you, earlier? Yeah. We were talking about... Talking uh, about how irritating it is that he hits that three-wood off every tee instead of seizing the initiative and trying to go out and win a tournament. And no, but he hits his three-wood miles and he hits... He had, he had 200... He's got such a consistent goal swing that I can't quite fathom why he doesn't it drive more well, often. He, I don't know either. He had 230 yards into the, the 16th. Everyone was going in with seven iron and he hit it in the water. No, OK. Two two points. I disagree with you on this. Two two points. One, he hit this three-wood right out of the neck so it went nowhere. That's what that's what cost him the tournament. It was a poor swing that that, that left him so far from the green. And secondly, that three wood has been the the reason that Stenson's gone from being in the wilderness and out in the middle of nowhere and not competing in any of these tournaments to winning the FedEx Cup yeah. and competing in starting to knock on the door at the majors. It was the bridge, and now he's back to top form. Why is he not hitting the driver more more often off the tee? I can't quite work it out. Well, it's clearly not a swing issue because his swing is so repeatable. Uh, that's what yeah, I don't a, understand. It, it's it's a confidence thing, and his three wood is that much more controllable for him. And just would have liked to see him hit driver down there, go in with a seven or maybe even an eight iron, and try and attack the uh, the flag and try and make eagle to win the tournament, as opposed to going in with a long iron. The Fair whole enough. Time. Anyway. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, Jezza, that was wrong, I'm afraid, because I think Furyk was quite easy. 
Oh, you oh, it must be half a point for that, surely. Absolutely not. That was a gift of a question. I'm g- it's, it's all tied up going into the lucky dip round. Um, and as I was going to say, that whoever's coming last gets to choose which lucky dip question they want. But uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you question number one. <laughs> Jez isn't going to be very happy about this. Oh. Um, what's the largest margin of victory in a WGC match? No. Just knows the answer. The finals, 36 holes, isn't it? It is. It's a massive round. But is that important? Hmm. I'm going to say nine and eight. (laughs) Yes, correct. Oh, dear. Jez is unhappy. Well, that was the famous Tiger Woods, uh, Stephen Ames. Stephen Ames said something that upset Tiger, didn't he? He said something to a, to an interviewer, something along the lines of uh, anything can happen, the places he's sitting it to or something like that. So <laughs> Tiger got wind of this and decided to destroy him on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't Maybe say that's a little bit more circumspect. Terribly advisable. take on Tiger Woods and your yeah. Stephen Ames. Jez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only one player in mm. the field this week is making his debut in the WGC. Who is that player? I'm going to say that it's... He has <coughs> a, I'll give you a clue. Um, he has a first name, but he doesn't really have a first name. It sounds like two surnames to me. Oh, really? So it's not who I was thinking. Is Matt Fitzpatrick not in the top 64 in the world? Fitzpatrick played at the Cadillac. Oh, I thought, I thought you meant match play day. No, WGC uh, day. Sorry. Can I have half a point for knowing that? <laughs> um, his name sounds like two surnames. Um, yeah, to me it did. A bit like Harris English. He's <laughs> 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 <It was> not. <laughs> Harris English. Um, he's an American then, I would imagine, on that he basis. Is. There's another clue. Yeah, he's an American. It's... Um, uh Ah, oh, name just came into my head there. It's gone again. <laughs> it's not Hudson Swafford, is it? I mean, there's two surnames, if ever. Bronson <laughs> Burgoon, maybe? <laughs> Smiley Kaufman. <laughs> um, Carol Smiley Kaufman. Carol Smiley. There was someone whose name I noticed this morning. I thought, he's... Yeah, who was it? Uh, no, I'm going to struggle to deliver that answer. Uh, I'm going to throw it open. Mm. Nick, do you want to help Jez? I, did, I don't know. I was going to say Kevin Chapel, but that's not two first names. That's is not, is it? No. Mm. Two no. second names. The right? answer is Patton Kizire. How is he in the World's Top 64? He's he's in the field. Patton Kizire? Yeah, it came off the um, <laughs> web.com. Sure? <laughs> you sure? I, I think so. Surely he's not in the World's Top 64. Okay. Has anyone got internet access down here? I don't know. Oh, there's been some reminded sort of me that I didn't switch my no. phone to airplane mode. No, some sort no of administrative error here. No, there's no administrative I looked it up How's this morning. How's Patrick in the field? <laughs> Has he done well in some PGA Tour events then? Not that I can recall. He, I think didn't he, he qualified off the uh, web.com yeah, tour. So I mean, not good enough to be from that position, coming off the web.com to forcing his way into the top 64 with his performances this season. Hasn't done anything remarkable okay. that I can recall. So, Right, he's got a sponsor's invite. Here's the way. Of, here's the way we're going to resolve this. We're going to check this fact, but when we go back to the office, and if Patton Kazaya is in the field, we will use a picture of him as the thumbnail for this 
uh, podcast. If he's not in the field, then we will use a picture of somebody else. And if he is in the field, you can give yourself a big uh, pat on the back for getting the question. <laughs> oh, right. very good. I think the other picture should be Neil with a dunce's hat on, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, factual inaccuracies are uh, very much a feature of this podcast. <laughs> so I would hate to... Pat uh, and Kizaya. I'd, I'd say I would struggle to believe that that could be possible, yeah. but... Um, Great name, though. It's up there with Bronson Burgoon, for sure. Bronson Burgoon. And Maverick yeah. McNeely. Maverick. And Bryson McNeely. DeChambeau, for that matter. Bryson DeChambeau. this year. Yeah, yeah. Hudson yeah. Swafford. Hudson Swafford's a good one as well. Uh, Ches Reevy I like as well. I like to be called Ches Reevy. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a Ches. Yeah, well. You pretty, sound a bit like that. Um, uh, a couple of uh, other quick uh, topics of discussion before we close up today. I just wanted to just talk very quickly about Zach Johnson. Obviously, I'd, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I questioned his decision to move equipment manufacturers. Uh, obviously, finished this week nicely inside the top 10, looks to be going in the right direction. Um, everything settling down on that front, it seems like it's not as bad a decision as it maybe looked a couple of weeks ago. No, as I said then, I think it was fairly premature, um, given that he could have just been in a period of inauspicious form anyway. But still a risky move. Still no? a slightly risky move. But you've got to say that he knows what he's doing. Um, and there are peaks and troughs in any career, and that could have just been a trough. But very, very solid performance on a course that, sort of windy, long course, wouldn't necessarily think it would suit him. And he absolutely loves that 16th hole as well. He sort of eagles it every round by the looks of things. He uh, had that albatross there last year, made eagle on, I think he went eagle birdie on 16 and 17. I'm not sure. He must have held a long part on 17 because he doesn't have the ball flight to get an iron shot close, close to, that to that flag. But yes, looks very good. And coming another one coming into form ahead of the Masters. Yeah, interesting because, I you know, I, I don't know how much money it would have cost to take him away from Titleist as reigning Open champion. I mean, that's I don't know how much PX PXG is it. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a well, lot of them playing well. Because Billy enough. Horschel, then Chris Kirk, Charles Howell the third, Ryan Moore. So they obviously got a huge marketing budget. <laughs> well, I suppose you have to say you know much of the team are ping engineers, aren't they? So. There's a fair bit of knowledge in the background. In the background, yeah. so maybe not as big as if they're throwing enough money at it. Maybe not as big a surprise as as you might think initially, perhaps. Um, but still, any time that a player is changing sort of wholesale changes in the golf bag with the equipment that they're playing, it's going to lead to a period of uncertainty, shall we say? Even if it's yeah. only a short period. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which, um, so yeah, it's good to see um, our current Open champion back on form. And as you said, Nick, leading into the Masters, just another player um, looking like he might be able to play well. Um, and the other topic of conversation, and Jez, I was going to ask you about this, is this uh, story that emerged in the news last week about Brockett Hall. Mm. Um, and Brockett Hall has been uh, bought out by um, some new investors and some members at Brockett Hall had previously paid that it was reportedly previously paid £70,000 for lifelong memberships at Brockett Hall and those memberships under the current under the new ownership uh, don't look like they're going to be uh, honoured is that that would be the correct term I suppose yes yeah, yeah. Um, and it's I mean it's the second time this has happened in the last 12 months or so with Wentworth going through a similar difficult um phase in its in its sort of history um what do you make of the this this trend it's uh interesting isn't it? i think i'm pretty sure i read something this weekend that wentworth have changed their mind about yes the, uh, i didn't actually read the whole story so I, I don't know quite where that's left the members there but i was speaking to someone last week who said he knew someone who's a wentworth member that was absolutely delighted at the prospect of it being 100 grand a year and 
exclusivity coming back. Um, but I suspect such members are probably in the minority, given the, the vocal uh, outpouring of anger about the um, situation there. Brockett Hall, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's been it's been uh, going through troubled times for many years on various... And it's a nice setup, isn't it, as well? We've been yes, there lovely. a few times. Um, very difficult start to one of the courses where uh, you know, you're basically most likely to spray it into the water on the first and then not not carry the water on the second. But, uh, you know, I'm not a legal expert. I don't know where they stand. It sounds to me that even if legally they are allowed to do that, it's not great PR, is it, for the for the resort or facility to, to basically be seen to be stitching people up? No, and it, it's interesting that if um, more and more of our top golf clubs uh, get bought out by investors... Um, then people's membership situations can change, and it's something that you probably need to start thinking about. I guess if you're looking into those very surprising, there's no buy-in. legal safeguard in place. Well, I would have thought. I mean, as I say, I'm no, I'm no legal knowledge at all on this. But if someone has paid X amount for something and signed paperwork to that effect, I would have thought. Uh, well, uh, maybe that paperwork m- had loopholes in it initially. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm no. not really clued up on the whole situation. No. Well, either way, but I think uh, the point is that um, our, you know, our condolences go to our, out to anyone who is going through that because it must be um, incredibly upsetting and frustrating. Um, you know, you, you because people place their whole their their lives around what happens at the golf. A lot of people for the for them, the golf club is the kind of centre of their sort of social yeah. life, isn't it? And for it all to be turned on its head like that is sad. And um, just hope that, that that some sort of resolution can be found. Yes, as I say, it is a nice facility, but it has gone through difficult, tr- difficult times for a number of years for various Sounds reasons. Like, yeah, someone is culpable uh, of filing incorrect paperwork or, or something. I'm, I'm shocked that that is the scenario that we're facing now. Um, to me, I'm not really clued in on the situation, but that suggests that the initial legal work wasn't as good as it could have been. But as I say, this is only just a casual observation given that I'm not clued into the situation. Well, there we have it. There we have it. I think that brings us towards the end of this week's podcast. One um, important plug that I need to make is that the new and redesigned issue of Golf Monthly is on the shelves. It was um, on sale on Thursday of last week. Uh, It's a completely different look. Uh, Lots of new different ideas in the magazine, features. um, Some great imagery, really nice refined look. 34 pages, master's preview content, two travel supplements and a two-for-one green-free voucher in amongst everything else. So make sure you pick that one up. Yeah, it's do a great issue. take a look at it because it's a, it's a great place to get everything that you you want for your game of golf uh, in one place. Uh, gents, any other business for anyone? Uh, no, I don't think so. Other than so, did I win the quiz then? You did. Uh, you did. Well, I'm feeling pat on Kizaya gate. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> like I've been denied a a half point and also the difference between two thirds and a half point, which could be the difference between. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. So. Well, well, look out for the thumbnail of the podcast. You will already know as you're listening to this what the thumbnail is. So you will be able to resolve this um, dispute before we can. Uh, if Pat and Kazaya is in the tournament, he will be the thumbnail for this week's podcast. If he's it's not, my, it'll be something. Here's else. a way to resolve. Actually, just come to me. Is Smiley Kaufman in the field? I don't know who's. I don't know what the because he's actually won this season. If he's not in the field, Pat and Kazaya hasn't won. I, I think it would be unfathomable that he is in the field. But we shall see. We will indeed. We will indeed. Um, thank you for listening to this week's um, podcast, the, cl- uh, the Clubhouse by Golf Monthly, and we look forward to hosting you next week. Yeah.